Jesus offers us this vision, an image, of four different outcomes when he sends his word to the human heart. First, there's the path, where Jesus says, Satan, the evil one, comes to steal away what God has planted even before it lands. Before it gets there, it's swept away. And maybe we know people or situations like that. There's the second situation, the rocky ground. Maybe we notice this especially if you have a rebellious personality, or if you're a high schooler, or a college student, or a new convert. Sometimes new converts have this sudden burst of real, genuine zeal and real love, uh, but it, it fades away and it subsides into apathy. But then there's this third situation, the thorns. And maybe this is the one that most often takes down people who are trying to live a faithful life. And what are the thorns? Jesus says, the seed sown among thorns is the one who hears the word, but then worldly anxiety and the lure of riches choke the word and it bears no fruit. Worldly anxiety. I don't know if you've ever been anxious. Certainly not in the last couple of months. But maybe some other time, hypothetically. Jesus lived in, in a culture that in many ways had a much slower pace than ours. It had a lot of oppression uh, and struggle, but it, it was a calmer culture in certain ways. And yet, he had so much to say about anxiety. In Matthew 6, a couple of chapters before the passage we read today, he talks to the disciples in the Sermon on the Mount, in a whole section on the sermon, about anxiety. And he mentions it five or six times in as many verses. In verse 25, he says, Do not be anxious. In verse 27, which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to his span of life? In verse 28, and why are you anxious about clothing? Maybe he did live in 2020. Verse 31, therefore do not be anxious. And verse 34, therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. And these aren't commands. These are promises that happen within a context. Jesus says that it's possible for us not to suffer with this anxiousness for one particular reason. He says, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be yours as well. He's really saying one thing. I've got you. If it is the case that there isn't a God, or there, isn't, there is a God, but he doesn't particularly care about you, 
uh, or isn't provident enough to look after your needs, then we have a lot of reason to be anxious. But if it's true that we have a personal God who looks after our personal needs, this can be a source of consolation and encouragement and a little bit of calm. But if you're a Christian and you're struggling with anxiety, what is a fruitful or a helpful response? Does the gospel have something to offer to a culture that's anxious? Jesus presents these four different scenarios, so maybe just four different suggestions or thoughts on this topic. First, you are not alone, and you're not going through this alone. Precisely because we have this kind of provident God who looks after every single one of our needs. Maybe not in the way we expect, maybe not in the moment we demand it, but he does. Second, you are beloved as you are. And you are beloved as you are infinitely and unconditionally by God. Aware of this need for people to receive this kind of affirmation, it's become more common in the last couple of years, uh, especially, I think, in counseling circles, to say this sort of thing to somebody. You are beloved as you are. But we know that human beings don't love always unconditionally. And we don't love infinitely. So if you're just telling somebody that, you're beloved as you are, and it's not true, then it's fake and not consoling. But if there is a God who cares this way, then this can be an immense consolation. Third, we need to pray. And pray not babbling on as the pagans do, something Jesus says at some point in the Gospels, also in the Gospel of Matthew, but in a calm way, entrusting everything that's on our hearts to him. But that's only the first step. After that, we need to listen. Often we can have so many thoughts, and when we go to pray, it just becomes this laundry list of, God, here's what I need. Here's what, could you please do this? I'm so annoyed about this. Which is all fine. Uh, but if you had a conversation like that with your spouse, wouldn't last very long. You have to listen, too, because God has something to say. And sometimes even the fact that he meets us in silence shouldn't be a scary thing. It's not evidence that God doesn't exist. It's evidence that God knows we need quiet, and that he meets us there. Fourth, you are not identical with your emotions. Everybody needs to be reminded of that sometimes. Anxiety can be something that's chemical. Receptors in the brain uh, don't receive serotonin or dopamine in exactly the amounts or the way that they need to. 
but it can really affect people's spirits. But being anxious doesn't mean necessarily that you don't love or trust God. It can be that your heart is in the right place, that our brains need a little help catching up. And all of this, I say, only because if we're going to do it, we have to foster, and do it to foster, that fourth, last, and beautiful outcome that Jesus depicts. The seed sown on rich soil is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields a hundred or sixty or thirty-fold. And that word is Jesus. John's Gospel says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We ask the Lord, the word, to come and set us free from anything that binds us, anything that keeps us in slavery from living in front of him honestly and transparently. Come, love, and come, Lord. Teach us how to rest in you and to let you rest in us, above all in your body and in your blood.